Hey there, dog people of the internet. I'm Sarah Stremming, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Join me as I share my thoughts, experiences, and cases, as I interview experts and answer your questions when it comes to the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. It's a new year and I have a news flash. Black lives still matter. I'm looking forward in 2021 to not only continuing to donate to causes that I believe in, but also to providing more of a platform for BIPOC voices in the dog world here on Cog Dog Radio. So stay tuned. All right. Today, we're talking mindset for dog sports. And... I had to do this podcast with the person I probably discussed this the most with, which is Dr. Leslie Hyde. Say hi to everybody, Leslie. Hello. Um, we're talking about this today because we're both gearing up to do some big events. Yeah. And so it's kind of fresh on our minds. And we're not just going to like talk about mindset, preach about mindset, because number one, neither of us are in a position to preach about it. <laughs> the reason we talk about it so much is because it's hard for both of us. Correct. And it's important to kind of talk about that as a struggle and work on actual, I think, skills regarding it. So the theme, though, for the talk today is movies. Because one of the things that we both like to do is watch movies that have kind of the mindset message that we try to have for sports. Yeah? Yeah. And so I think first, we'll get to the movies. That's like the fun part. So we'll get to the movies. But let's talk about mindset in general and kind of what that means. And I think I first learned about this really, really in depth when I was trying to do some big stuff with Iggy. So, like, 2013, 2014. I did have the the agility meltdown of 2014, which... Was epic. Which was epic. For which you were present. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I was, like, laying in the grass in the tent in Sino Sport, crying. (laughs) And you were like, wow, (laughs) this is a lot. (laughs) Um... You've had many meltdowns, too, but I don't think you have, like, the meltdown. No, I spread them out. Yeah, you like to just have smaller proportionally meltdowns, but, like, more of them. Yeah. When I have one, it is, like, epic, right? And at the time, my kind of, like, coach in agility was our friend Tori Self. And if all you youngins don't know Tori Self, she was a pretty big deal at that time in the sport. To me, she'll always be a big deal. But um, she kind of did agility with the one dog that people know of and then kind of moved on with her life because she did, like, everything possible in the sport of dog agility and then moved on with her life. But anyway, so Tori was my coach, and she told me that mindset for sport or like I was calling it mental game at the time because everybody was calling it that right is not different from real life like that they're not separate things that you you don't get to just like call up this mental game at the trial 
that it has to actually be practiced every day, which is kind of a huge bummer to hear because it's so hard, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So ways that we can practice it in life, like what are we actually needing to practice if we operationalize mindset? One thing for sure is just optimism. And what is optimism to you? To me, it's always, it's kind of like assuming the best outcome yeah, is, it's like, is the most likely outcome. Believing things will go well. Yeah. So That's it's literally it. Yeah. It's just, you might be like, oh my God, all these things could happen. And yeah. that's kind of to, to define it by giving the opposite. Pessimism is that focusing on all the possibilities and not even saying it's the worst, but just the fact that all these things could go wrong. Yeah. Versus optimism is that, you know, I, the most likely, I believe the most likely outcome will be the best outcome or will be a good outcome. Will be a good outcome. Oh, this is hard for me to do. I do feel like I am being an anxious person. Anxiety is kind of a future-based state of thinking. Like, anxiety is about future events. It is deep-seated pessimism. And I do feel like that's my natural inclination. So I have to work really, really hard on this one. And I don't get it right. Probably most of the time I don't get it right. So optimism being that belief that things will go well. Rather than I think, you know... If we think about this in an agility way, you're looking at the run and you're imagining, oh, my dog could really knock number 12. Like, I'm worried about that, right? Like, or, like, the things in me is, like, when you walk the course and you're walking the course looking for all the off-course possibilities mm-hmm. rather than focusing on the, correct, the path. correct path. Yeah, how to show them how to be right. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's an off-course tunnel. Well, right. And they might get that jump. Right. You know, that kind of thing. One of your meltdowns that I recall was our darling Brink. Brink, who's 15 now. And he was a very fast dog in agility who was not easy to run. Like, let's just put it plainly. Yeah. He was not easy to run. And you, in the beginning when you were training him, had some trainers who were not very supportive of him. And I think he could have been different, but he wasn't. So you saw, you looked at a course and it was literally one, two, off course tunnel screaming in the dog's face and you had to like do a hard turn like a hard 90 degree turn away from that tunnel and you just gave up like yeah. you just were like well this is never gonna happen he's gonna be in that tunnel before I can breathe before I can say something else I mean and it wasn't wasn't even an important run it was just an av- it was just a regular whatever but you were so sick of things going wrong and what so we're just like compounding other things but like that's pessimism yeah and you know we're look looking at the run and thinking of every possible wrong outcome bad outcome is pessimism looking at the run and imagining and expecting it to go well is one of these skills and you got to do that in life you expect and, you know, it starts with, like, 
silly little things. I think like you expect that the light will be green for you. You expect that you'll get that parking spot you like. You expect, you know, that it won't start raining until you're in the car, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's not, it's not about manifesting. Like that's not what I'm trying to say at all. It's not about like you create your reality and all that. Right. That's really not what we're here to talk about. It's just about practicing the belief that things will go well. Knowing and accepting that they won't always, but believing that they will is the practice of optimism to me. Yeah. I think like a, almost a simple explanation is like expecting the answer to always be yes. Like even when there's, yeah. you know, a 50-50 shot that it could be no, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's like opening you up a little bit to taking risk maybe a little bit easier like I think that's what optimism does is like it's almost like you're more willing to put yourself out there when you believe yeah because it's good there's going to be a good outcome so it's kind of like that quote that everyone goes back to like I forget exactly what it is but it's like you know if you could do anything and we're guaranteed not to fail yeah, like, what, what would you do what would you do if you could not fail yeah what would you do if you drank felix Felicis? right <laughs> what would be the one thing no. yeah um so that's mm-hmm. and i find honestly it's easier to do it in life than in, in agility i tend to yeah, and all my sports kind of have more, be more pessimistic. Like, I'm not going to win. I'm not good enough. That kind of thing. So. So do you feel like you practice it in daily life and then you still find it being a struggle? In I, sports? Yes, I feel like it comes more naturally in daily life. Okay. Obviously, when I get to big things it becomes hard see that's what I think is I don't think it's necessarily easier for you like in life I think it's about life versus sports I think it's about how important that outcome is to you if something is really really important to you yeah you start to struggle to be optimistic about it yes and it's the fear of not getting it yeah right exactly so the trick is to practice it when you care and really, really reach in. But optimism isn't everything. Like, just believing you're going to do the thing well doesn't make you do the thing well. So I think there's the flip side of the coin to optimism, which is knowing that... So you believe that you will win, or what? Like, let's just put it in those. Like, you believe you will win. You believe you will get the thing. But the other side of that coin has to be you know you're okay if you don't. Yes. And I think that's where you have a really hard time. A harder time. Is that you don't always know. And that was my agility meltdown of 2014. Right. It wasn't that I wasn't optimistic. I had actually lost a lot of optimism by that time in the sport of agility, which is why I had another meltdown, which was probably, I don't know if it was the same year or later that year, but it was close. It's probably the, if I'm honest, it was probably the next month. But anyway, um, it's knowing 
if you don't get that thing, you're enough without it. That's the hard part. So I feel like when you can't call up your optimism, it's because you don't think you're enough without that. Right. Or, I mean, it can also go, it, like, if you don't have optimism, you'll never believe you're enough. Like, I feel yeah. like they are kind of very circular. Sure, if you're, like, a pessimist never doesn't think they're enough win or lose. Yeah. The pessimist wins and, they're and like, immediately looks for the next win Yeah, because that didn't prove anything, right? Yeah. And the optimism doesn't have anything to prove. Like, the optimist doesn't have anything to prove. That has to be the other side of the coin. Yeah. Has to be okay if you don't get it. So, but that optimism is not enough. So the next thing you have to do is goal set in such a way that is focused on things you can actually control. Because a goal being, I want to be on this world team. Or I want to stand on this podium. Those goals are great. But you'll never get them if you don't recognize the process steps beneath those things, right? Right. So it's it's almost like rather than calling those a goal, you call those the dream. Call it the dream. Okay. But then the goals are the steps that you have to achieve to be able to yeah. accomplish that dream. You know, you need to have some, I think, at least for me and as someone who has been an athlete for most of their life. I do think there has to be that big it's the dream, but you then have to know like how to get to how to get there, but also how to be okay if you don't. You know, for me it's easy like with swimming. Like I know as a swimmer, my goal was always to make the Olympic team. Yeah. But I also and maybe I was too far removed from that, but I always knew I was okay if I didn't make it. Like, it wasn't... It wasn't my whole life didn't you. depend on it. Got and it. again, it may also be, be because swimming is not one of those sports that you can build a life around. Like, even ah, if I made the Olympics and won a gold medal, that wasn't going to sustain me. I still had to get a different job. You I still, still had to you know, do other things. Like, swimming wasn't going to be my entire life, even if I achieved that top realm. Yeah. And I think that can be a little hard with, like, agility, because there is kind of a career path tied with it, you know? We see these people that do really great things, have amazing achievements, suddenly can make all their money off of their accomplishments. We, we have. And I do think that my meltdown was about that because I was building a career as a dog trainer. And I thought that if I did some really big things in agility, that people in the sport of agility would care about what I had to say. And nobody did yet <laughs> at that time. <laughs> Pre-podcast, pre-everything, right? So... You call it a dream versus goals. I think of it as just two types of goals. I think of it as outcome goals and process goals. So the process goals get you to the outcome goal. 
Yes. And my friend Sarah Pisani told me once, um, we were talking about competitive obedience, but it's the same thing. She said, write your plan, or sorry, write your goals in stone and your plans in sand. So that you can flex on the way, like, you can flex on the way to get there. Mm -hmm. Because you can try something that's not working and you can change it. But know where you want to go. Know what your destination is. So be like, the ultimate big goal is in stone. Because sometimes you accomplish, you know, your little process goals and those you want to scratch out then. Like, I get them. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about agility specific as well as, again, we're talking about this, it has to be a life practice. Yes. Right? So, like, we had a collective goal of buying a house mm-hmm. that we achieved. Mm-hmm. So, this was, like, a, this is a big outcome goal. Do you remember how many houses we tried to buy? Seven. Probably like, oh, was, I was going to say 25. <laughs> it, felt, it felt like 50. Seven. Yeah. Seven houses that we went through. The process to buy and seven times it was purchased out from under us by a cash buyer who could offer like a hundred thousand over asking like yeah. there was no this was i can't control how fast that person's dog is yeah i can't control that these people have nothing better to do with their mountains of money than buy this little farmhouse that i wanted <laughs> right <laughs> it was devastating you wanted to give up numerous times. Yeah. And I was just motivated by getting out of where we were. I just wanted to escape the rental situation, like, desperately. So, anyway, that was about process goals, too. Like, we had to save money. We had to find a realtor that would help us. We had to then search for these houses. And then we, I mean, we had to do so many things to get to that big outcome goal. That that's a practice of that. And when you wanted to quit every single time a house got bought out from under us, you wanted to quit every time. That's a truly, I mean, that's a failure to practice this. Mm-hmm. And if I had been thinking about it in terms of dog agility at the time, I probably could have talked you into keeping <laughs> It probably would have been an easier conversation. Yeah. If I had been like, this is really good for your future agility to <laughs> dig in <laughs> and keep working. So it's about practicing it all the time with work. Like I might have some outcome goal with work that I then need to build all this content, um, be a social media presence, like do all of these things to get to a certain place with work. So it's practicing it all the time. But talk about agility. What does it mean to have the goal of like making a nationalist final? Like if that's a goal, it is a goal for both of us. Right. It's an outcome goal for both of right. us. You don't outcome. control okay. it. It's an outcome goal. Right. You don't actually control it. But you can still work to get there by making process goals. Mm-hmm. What do some of those process goals look like for you? Well, process goals would be like, um, for me, making sure, like, I would probably set a number of times to practice each week yes it's and things like that i would you know i mean there's so many things that i think you don't necessarily think of as process goals that we do like for me 
it's also about my exercise. So I was going to say that. I think a process um, goal is working out. Yeah. Going, going, you're, you've been swimming. That's really helpful for your body. Yeah. Like you getting up early in the morning to go get laps in in the pool. Rose weighing in. Is a process goal to help you get to those outcome goals. Yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. I think, and, and so, you know, looking at these little things, I, I mean, for me, I, get really nerdy into, you know, smart goals and try to use that. That's an acronym, right? Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember them? Um, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time bound. That's like a whole other podcast. Yeah. There's, okay. there's we'll forms. Talk about that you can find yes. forms we, everybody that can, look can that help you. you. I can link you, give mm-hmm. you a link to the one I use. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just helps you be able to actually create process goals because if you follow that an acronym, like those are all things you can control. Mm-hmm. It's, you can control how specific it is. You can control that it's measurable. I think the most common example that people give when they're trying to help people set goals is you know when someone says well I want to lose weight Mm -hmm. well losing weight is not a smart goal I mean what does that mean so it's kind of I mean first of all don't worry about it because it's the bikini industrial complex and we don't need to lose weight to be good people or and our worth is not measured by our body size but but what I'm saying is that it's also not a good goal because it's not a smart goal and like when you talk about operationalizing something I think making something a smart goal is the same process you're defining it you're just making a smart goal is operationalizing right you're making it very um like giving it strict parameters so that you can check it off you can say I accomplished that goal which feels good in and of itself and then it's actually reinforcing yes so things like I'm gonna have an agility lesson once a week and I'm going to break three skills out of that lesson to work on my own um, also in the same week yeah, before or, I show back up with my coach. Yeah. Or like for me right now would be I'm going to make sure I do Watson's A-frame homework at least three times a week and yes. submit it. And submit it to your class. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. And I think... So I think with the goal setting comes the skill of letting go of those things that you can't control, which means practicing letting go of outcome goals that you don't get, that you don't achieve, right? So like plenty of, basically Iggy and me, I feel like our agility career is defined as shooting for the moon, but landing on the stars. <laughs> like we, Which is really funny didn't. saying because the stars are further out than the moon. So I've always had a problem. Okay. With well, it. I'm just going to go back <laughs> to the fact that it is a saying. Yes. Correct. Now that saying is ruined for me, but, um, yeah, you're right. Um, shoot for the stars, land among, on the moon. Land on the moon. Yeah. Anyway, the original saying basically means if you're shooting high, yeah. everything you achieve will be greatness, right? And, like, we never actually got to the thing. 
we were shooting for most of the time. But we always did, did big things, right? And, like, I don't have any regrets about her career, and I think we had a really great time together. So letting go of those things, letting go of not hitting those outcome goals is something to practice in life. Yes. For sure. And it can be very simple and it can also be really complex, but it's just, again, you will not be able to call up this skill at your national event, at your world event, if you're not already fluent in the skill. Right. For me, Mm -hmm. one of the steps I've taken, which, again, I should probably practice more in life, but it's easier for me to focus on it first in sport is kind of like a mantra that goes along with that. Like I remind myself before a run, especially a big run that I'm getting nervous for, what I can control and what I can't control. Give me some examples. Because so, I think sometimes this confuses people and I think it's really important for us all to Yeah, do. yeah. So I'll say things like, it's almost like I, I this is opposite of optimism maybe a little bit but I remind myself what I can't control first so I say like I cannot control how fast another dog goes I cannot control how that handler runs their dog I cannot control my dog missing in a contact I cannot control a dropped bar you know just these reminders because I think for me, that's what I have a tendency to focus on, especially when I'm getting nervous. So you just saying that you can't control them is you releasing it. Yeah. That's what we just talked about. That's the skill of letting go of that piece. Because, yeah, yeah, because otherwise I'm sitting there going, how how am I going to keep that bar up? How am I going to keep that bar up? And like... Or, you know, how, how am I going to beat that dog? They're really fast. How am I going to beat that? I think that's a big one for you because you're... Your most, your primary competition dog right now is Mouse Shining Shepherd. Yeah. And she is incredible and fast and amazing. Her ground speed simply cannot beat a lot of the Border Collies. Yeah. It can beat a lot of the Border Collies too, but there are plenty of Border Collies that if you lay down a perfect run with her, you still will not beat that border collie if it has a perfect run too. Right. Right. And, and you have to let that go. Right. And so instead of spiraling about how fast they are, then I, you know, I, by releasing those things, like you said, I think that's a good way to describe it. Like I release those and then I think about my run, what I can do, which is basically handling. And yes. focus on that. In and, the moment, that's all you right, have. Right, that's all yeah. I have is my movement. That's what I can control. And if I have planned to the best of my ability, I am going to get the tightest, fastest line out of her and the best performance from her. But that all, like the especially obstacle performance, that all came in training. There's nothing I can do at the point of running it. I can't suddenly make her have a, you know, two-second faster dog walk. Your process goals could be to work on speeding up your dog walk. Yes. Your process goals could be to make sure she can hit that leaf pole entry. On the day of, your process goals have to be about you and not her performance. Yeah. A lot of people will look at a run and they'll go, my goal is for my dog to hit all three contacts. 
No, you don't have control over that in the moment. You have control over that in the dirt between the competitions. That's where you put that work in. When you show up on the day, you got to focus on yourself. And for me, it has to do with um, a lot of my mistakes in agility because at this point, um, at this point, I usually don't make a course analysis error. That's usually not my problem. I typically analyze the course correctly. I think a lot of our error, like if you make a handling error, it's either an error of analysis or execution. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things. Um, it's either you analyzed it wrong, so you didn't realize that you put the, cor the cross in the wrong place. Right. Or you just didn't execute it correctly. And that can be a lot of reasons that you mm -hmm. didn't execute it correctly. You didn't find the speed out of that front cross that you needed. You were actually, this happened to me the other weekend, which is the first time in history, um, you were actually faster than you thought you were going to be. And then you were ahead of the dog and then your plan didn't work. Right. So like, thank you to my new fitness coach. Um, <laughs> so, um, mine was just yesterday and mm -hmm. what's what, I always find this interesting because I do also spend a lot of time after a run kind of analyzing things in my head or, you know, rethinking about it, what I could do better. And mine was a front cross that even in the walkthrough, I had a tendency to over rotate and I kept saying, no, kept step out it. here, step out here, step out here. And then in the actual run, I over-rotated. And, um, and so, yeah, being, you know, that's a failure of execution, but being able to recognize it, um, I think, is important because that just goes back to that's a process goal. Like, that feeds into process goals, right? Of, like, okay, how do I yeah. work on that? Yeah, it's... That error shows up and you go, and I think that's a course walkthrough issue because you already saw it yeah. and you didn't correct it. I'm going to go to the advice my current agility coach, Megan Foster, gave me, which is that you will do, so you'll do in real life about 70% of what you did in the walkthrough. So you need to exaggerate everything in the walkthrough. Mm -hmm. So if that was showing up as an issue for you, you should have exaggerated it to the point that it felt ridiculous. Right. And then you probably would have done it right. And what's funny, this is the benefit of running multiple dogs. Is that you like to talk about. You like to remind me. <laughs> then I changed my plan mm. for the second dog. Yep. And you got it right? No. Oh, gosh. But I just was like, well, okay, interesting. I, it's, I, again, the execution, it wasn't an analysis Thing. I think it was an execution mm -hmm. and a training thing. My dogs don't understand this line, mm. especially when there's other stuff around. So I can control my ability to, like, I can't control really whether I make an error of execution or analysis on that day. All I can do is the best that I know how to do. Mm. And if I'm, if I'm doing the best I know how to do, oh, because this is what I was going to say, is that I don't usually make errors of analysis. I usually make errors of execution if I'm making an error. And I usually make an error of execution because I'm frazzled. 
I'm stressed. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm not, I'm not. I haven't eaten appropriate. Right. I'm not in the right state of mind. So it literally starts in the morning when you eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. Actually, it starts a few days before when you go to the grocery store and make sure you have the things, right? Right. You're terrible at this, but luckily you have me. So I usually make sure that we have the right kinds of foods. Like, it starts there. And then for me, and this is a, this is major practice, this in real life. It's self-regulation of my emotions. Yeah. It's if I feel myself spiking, I consciously bring myself down. This is something I had to learn from my anxiety problems, but it has served me in agility. Because if I am in a run and I feel myself bubbling up and I feel myself getting closer to that frying point, I can actually consciously calm myself down. And it's a huge skill and it's really hard to do. And the higher the stakes, the harder it is to do. Yeah. And that's what, to me, going into sinus sport right now, that's what I'm trying to practice all the time. Because I know that's what stands between me and whatever it is. And that's, I think, when people talk about mindset for sports, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. They're talking about being able to bring yourself to a baseline. We talk a lot about teaching dogs to just kind of think under high arousal, and I think I think we are wrong. I think we should teach dogs how to self-regulate the way that we need to teach ourselves to self-regulate so that we don't actually get to that place. So, we're going to talk about the fun part. <laughs> so, my previous agility coach, Tori Self, told me when I was having the meltdown in, of 2014... She said, have you seen the movie Cool Runnings? And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm, haven't of course, we all? Of course I've seen Cool Runnings. And again, if you're a young person who hasn't, it's literally on YouTube. Like, you can watch Cool Runnings anywhere. So, Cool Runnings, I, said, I was like, yeah, I've seen Cool Runnings. <laughs> the Jamaican bobsled team, right? But I was a kid when I saw it. And she said, well... It's about dog agility, so you should watch it again. So, the thing is, she's never steered me wrong. So, I was like, <laughs> okay, watch Cool Runnings. And lo and behold, it's as funny as I remember, but then also just really profound. Mm -hmm. And there's a quote from the movie that I still remind myself of going into a big competition. That I think was, that was the quote that Tori wanted me to pull out. Which is, a gold medal is a wonderful thing, but if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. So it is that practice, that practice of optimism, which means that I'm still enough if I don't meet that goal. That I believe I can, and I'm okay if I don't. So everybody should watch Cool Runnings, but our favorite movie right now. I mean, it's been our favorite movie what, <laughs> for like months. Uh, it's not I even, mean, it's not even brand like new. Forever. It's not even brand new, but it's, it's we've it's, been watching. I don't it's think kind it's a of, year old. It has carried us through the pandemic. We'll, we'll tell you that much. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Is Eurovision Sound Contest the story of Fire Saga? comically long title which just goes with the humor of the entire movie I think if you haven't seen this it's on Netflix it is so funny it is so genius 
How many times do you think we've seen this movie? Um, I'd say at least a hundred. Yeah, I think we're getting to the hundreds. At least. I wish Netflix, like, Because we'll just put it on. Yeah. Leave it on. Sing along. Sing along to it. Eurovision Song Contest is... It's about dog agility. Also about dog agility. But with music. (laughs) Yes. So it's better. Um... Because you've got your main character, Lars. His who dream. Dream since he was a child. To win is not, the Eurovision. Is to, not to go. To but win. But to win. Eurovision the Eurovision Song Contest. And also, if you're an American and you don't know what the Eurovision Song Contest is, uh, go check it out. Go Because it's kind of incredible <laughs> and kind of weird that Americans yeah. don't know about it. Because it's a huge deal. Americans just aren't invited. They're not. <laughs> Everybody hates UK and everybody hates US yes. even more. <laughs> everybody hates UK, so zero points. <laughs> Y'all, we are ridiculous with this movie. So, Lars, his whole goal, his whole life has been to win the original song contest. And his music partner, Secret, is literally along for the ride. Yeah. She loves She doesn't him. care if they win, she loves him. Yeah. Right? And. She's, like, the real talent, too, in in the duo, so, like, he needs her to even get halfway there, right? Yeah. So, it's kind of incredible, and there's a moment, there's a lot of quotable quotes, but the quotable quote that refers to what we're talking about right now (laughs) is what? Because I know I am more than this contest. Right. So, it's, I know I am more than this contest. That is the same thing I just said from Cool Runnings. This is a consistent theme in movies that are about competing. Yeah. Pick any movie about, like, The Mighty Ducks, Eddie the Eagle. Like, there are so many, like, movies about trying to win something. In so many of those movies, the character doesn't win. It's almost cheesy if they do, you know? I feel like the Mighty Ducks win. I think in the Mighty Ducks. I think the Mighty Ducks do win. Because, of course, right. Um, but it's like, it's a little cheesy. Right. It's about putting yourself out yeah. there. And and it's why I, like, consistently enjoy sport movies, even though I hate sports. <laughs> like, I obviously love dog sports and love dog agility, but, like, I hate football. It's there's a lot of movies like, about football. Yeah. It's good that you like sport movies. But sport <laughs> movies, consistently excellent. Yeah. Because they consistently have this message. Yeah. Because consistently you're enough without that gold medal. Yeah. But then we all, I feel, don't take that message from the movies. Unless we're looking for it. Like when I saw Cool Runnings as a kid, I didn't take that message. No. Because it wasn't a message in my overall life either. I just like most people in my generation, was pretty much taught that my achievements were my worth. Right. You had to be the best. Yes. And you weren't the best. Then. Academically first, and then career-wise. Right? hmm And I did start competing in dog sports when I was young. I was, like, 14. And wanted to be the best there, too. So, I think the overarching kind of send-out message 
is that if you are going to one of these big events, I'm getting ready for Sinosport, Leslie's getting ready for the U.S. Open, this is actually going to release the week of Sinosport on purpose, so that maybe if you're going, you listen to it, and you hear this, and you are inspired to <laughs> have a healthy, I don't know, I don't like the word healthy, but have a mindset that it serves you. Yeah. Know that you are enough, and honestly, your dog is more than enough without whatever it is but also like believe you can get it right because if you look at the run and you're like well we can't win this what fun is that yeah right that's never really been the attitude that i that has served me i think it serves a lot of people i think there's a lot of people who just feel like honored to be there yeah looking at my outcomes you might think i'm one of those people (laughs) you know like our friend Heidi who I used to go to Santa Sport with a lot used to like she would say like no no I believe that me and dog are going to win every time mm-hmm. it's just that we usually don't but I believe we will <laughs> every single <laughs> time. time and Doug and Heidi are an amazing team so we're going to be practicing these things in real life so that we can call upon them or big events and I have one more movie that actually deserves a rewatch it's ready for a rewatch for me which is Bring It On the is it a 90s classic I feel like it's maybe late 90s early 2000s I don't know somewhere yeah classic cheerleading movie Bring It On there's a scene where one of the teams is like up super late at night practicing the night before the big event yeah and Eliza Dushku's character opens the window and screams down at them to give it a rest. Because if you don't have it by now, you don't have it. So, what that means is... Shut your mouth or the elves will shut it for you! It means that, but it also means... (laughs) Don't be a jerk to yourself or your dog, like, the two days before the event. Right? Like, if you're in that practice arena, day of... Or you practice run when you get there and your dog blows a contact and you're a jerk about it. Like, don't do that. Because if you don't have it by now, you don't have it. So go. Trust that you have it. Do the thing that got you there. Yeah. And, you know, enjoy. Because while I do not think dog agility is only for fun, it should, like, also be for fun. It should be fun. Well, it should not be for fun. But you should enjoy it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's probably not worth doing. Alright. The end. The end. Are you on Patreon yet? It's where you can get all the extras for this podcast. The original tier over there still exists, where the dog people of the internet provide the questions for the episodes and guide the content of the podcast. But there's a new tier. You can become a Cog Dog Arena and get access to my training sessions with my own dog. So that includes agility, obedience, behavior, and stuff with my brand new puppy, Rhea, live guest chats, and more. So go to patreon.com slash Cog Dog Radio. The link is in the show notes. You don't want to miss out.